The Great Awakening. Now, as I said before earlier, one of the things that we are doing is we are trying to teach the house of Israel to return back onto the Lord. Because, Teshuvah, because we have been so far removed from his way and we've been following a system that has not been according to the scripture. We find that many times, every, every instance that we have gone through the scriptures and read different things, it seems to contradict right, what we're doing today. And we're like, how come? And then the only answer that we've been getting from people are, those things were done away with. You see? And then when we go back to the prophecies, the Messianic prophecies, which tell us what will happen in the Messiah's uh, rulership, we find that those things are restored, those things are there. So the question is, who is correct and who is not correct, who is wrong? So the Great Awakening, the reason why this title has been chosen is because there is something phenomenal that is happening. Our people around the world start to realize who they are. We find in many things in the news, uh, even today in, on YouTube, and YouTube has become another means of conversation or um, acknowledgement or awareness or like a news thing. It's been very popular around the world and people are able to access it from wherever they are and they are learning things. Not like before time when uh, people used to wait on school books or whatever it is. And in, in a school uh, curriculum, they don't talk about these things. So. The Great Awakening is very essential for our time. Zechariah chapter 10 verses 9 says something very interesting. He said, I will sow them among the people, and they shall remember me in far countries. Okay? Now, the far countries, if you notice, countries is plural. It's not singular. That means to say that the, God's people, his chosen ones, are spread throughout the whole earth. Not Europe as the only place that people think, well, that's where the Israelites are. Okay? And then now, just certain segments in the uh, uh, Middle East and so forth. No. God's people are sown among the people. Wherever people are, his people are too. They shall remember me. Right? Now, what does that mean? Remember me. That means to say that they will not just, well, you know, he's in heaven and that's it. People have known about God for centuries. But the ways of God has been hidden, has been lost. And that's how they're going to remember him. They're going to remember his ways. He says, and they shall live with their children and turn again. That's Teshuvah. They're going to return back onto him. They're going to come back to him. And that's very important. So Zechariah chapter 10, 9 gives us that insight. For some reason this is, oh, it's not on. Okay. Zechariah chapter 10 says, Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the when? The latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain. To everyone, grass in the field. For the idols have spoken vanity. 
and the diviners have seen a lie and have told false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore, they went their ways as a flock. They were troubled because there was what? No shepherd. No shepherd. Now, I underline a few things here because I wanted us to really focus on what the scripture is saying. Remember, as I said before, teaching is very important for the house of Israel. Preaching are for those rebellious people who would not listen to the word of God. They need to be shouted to, shouted at. It says, rain in the time of the latter rain. That's the last days. Okay? And the rain is pouring out his spirit, his word, to feed us, to replenish us. When he takes away his word from us, we have become as a dry and thirsty land. The people that have nothing, no substance. House of Israel, these bones say that they're dry. These bones are the whole house of Israel. It says, verses 2, the idols have spoken vanity. We're going to see about those idols, a little bit about them. And this teaching is only just a little highlight because we'll look at the video later on and learn some things. So this is a, like an introduction of many teachings that will follow so that we can return back to him and his ways. The virus have seen a lie. We are in a system right now where many people so-called have the truth. It doesn't line up with the scripture, and that's the major problem. So what they're saying is not God's ways or his will or his words. That's considered in his sight as lies. And have told false dreams. How many times you've heard people come and say, well, God said this and God said that. You're going to be a millionaire. You're going to have this and have that. And when they say it, they say it outside of the will of God. God doesn't want you to have certain things when he knows full well it will take you away from him. All throughout our history, the house of Israel, these things have been a curse and a blight to us. Following the ways of the Gentiles, Yeshua said, all these things, who is going to seek afterward? The Gentiles. He did never said, all these things shall the Israelites seek. You see, the Gentile mindset is to have prosperity, to take things from people that does not belong to them. That's their mindset. And replace it with their own ways that's contrary to God's ways. And he says, I have told, and have told false dreams, they comfort in vain. Make you feel comfortable for now, but it's not going to last. That's not God's way. And it says, they were troubled. The house of Israel were troubled because there was no shepherd. My anger was kindled against the shepherds. And I punished the goats. Now in scripture, when we see the word goats in reference to people, it's always referred to Gentiles. Sheep is always a reference to the house of Israel. So there's an issue with Gentiles. There's a big issue in the eyes of God with Gentiles. Remember that Daniel had a dream or had a vision. Right? There was a vision that was explained about the Grecians that was as what type of an animal? A he-goat. The Grecians was as like a he-goat. Okay? So that's another teaching in itself. For the Lord of hosts have visited his flock, the house of Judah, 
and have made them as his goodly horse in the battle. So he's prepared himself for something to come, a war. I will strengthen the house of Judah, and I will save the house of Joseph. That's the two houses that churches don't talk about. The story of the prodigal son, two sons, house of Judah and the house of Joseph. Okay? And I will bring them again to the, to, uh, and I will bring them again to place them, for I have mercy upon them, and they shall be as though I had not cast them off, for I am the Lord their God, and will hear them. Amen. So he's going to restore. I have a responsibility. That responsibility is right on the screen. As a, as a priest, a Cohen, or um, a teacher, my responsibility is just to teach the truth. Regardless of people's opinion, what they feel, what they think, how they feel a service should go, and all these different things. No. You see, that is the Aaron, Aaronic mentality. That's what Aaron did. He listened to the people, and then when the time came for judgment, he says, you know, uh, Moses, I just put this thing in there, and poof, came out this calf. This just happened automatically, you know? So I'm not ready to be blamed for that. Well, God issued a judgment on Aaron later on for what he did. So I have a responsibility to God. He says, Malachi chapter 2, verses 1. And now, all you priests, this commandment is for you. For if you will not hear, and if you will not lay it to heart to give glory unto my name, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, when we see the word Lord of hosts, that's a military term. That means you, you better get your act together, okay? Execution will take place. That's the military arm of the Lord. That's when he puts on his military apparel and he says, I'm, gonna, I'm coming for war. So that's a word of caution that he's given here. <clears throat> if you will not hear, I will not lay it to heart to give glory unto my name, said the Lord of hosts. I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already, because you... Do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will corrupt your seed and spread dung upon your face. Now we know what dung means. That's a doo-doo, right? It's not a very pleasing word to hear. He's going to take the doo-doo and he's going to spread it all over your face. But he says, even the dung of your what? His solemn feast. So, <clears throat> if you don't know the history of what he's talking about, we're going to think like the church thinks. Established religion is thinking that something is wrong with the feast of the Lord. He did not say with my feast. He says what? Your solemn feast. Because what happened was when they went astray, and you have to read the history of the kings and chronicles and so forth, even going way back to Deuteronomy, the warning was already there, saying, don't go and create your own system, your own way of doing things. Because when you do that, it's like poop in the eyes of God. Yes. And he's going to throw that back at you. So when you come together to worship me, and you are saying hallelujah and all this different stuff, and jumping up and rolling all on the ground, that is not his way. There's a way that seems right unto mankind, mankind. But the end thereof, so we're going to travel a long journey only to find out that at the end of that journey, like, it was all in vain. It's all in vain. So we have to pay attention to what God is trying to tell us. He says, so your solemn feast is a problem because it's not according to my 
appointed times. And one shall take you, you away with it. That's the other kingdoms that will come and then pull you away because you have decided to do something different. You may want to crack the uh, door that's here for you. And ye shall, shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. My covenant. My covenant was with him of what? That's the covenant God made with Levi. You see, the priests are the doctors. They're the government workers of the house of Israel. They take care of the affairs of Israel to make sure Israel is in the proper health. And when, when they mess up, when they have malpractice among these doctors of the word, doctors of health, and it's not just the word like if priests are supposed to just read the book. No, the, doc, the priests are supposed to check, make sure people are in good health with the word and also medically speaking. Do you understand? Because if they fall short of the word, the people will also fall short of um, healing also, right? Okay. Are we all settled now? Okay, I'm going to have to do a little dry run at times to get everyone settled first. I think, some, I think it's sometimes it's like um, when you put the tape on, it attracts people to move around and stuff. So that's... Anyway, so my covenant was with them was life and peace, and I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me, and was afraid before what? My name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and did what? Turn many away from iniquity. That's the job of the priest, to turn the people away from doing sin. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at whose mouth? The priest's mouth. Now in our time when you hear the word priest, we're thinking Catholic. Wrong. You're going to see why. A little bit. We'll get a, a little insight of that because there's a lot of teachings on that. He is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. So if you want to know something, you find the righteous priest, and then he will inquire of what needs to be taught, what needs to be done, the instructions of the Lord of hosts. So there's a job that has to be fulfilled. Malachi 3. For I am the Lord, verse 6, he says, I do what? I change because men say that we have the school of theology, the seminars. We have religious institutions that you can go to and get your doctorate, right, to become a doctor so and so. You can do it online for free or whatever the case may be. And therefore, changing God's way. Is that what it says on the screen? Yeah. I am the Lord, I change not. Did he say, I am the Lord, I change not, but I will send my son, and he will change everything that I already said I'm not going to change. No. <laughs> I'm going to send Paul, because Paul is the world famous author of the new religion. I'm going to send the Catholic Church, I'm going to send the Baptist Church, I'm going to send whoever may be one of the alphabet religions out there. And they are going to decide what's best for you. Because I already told you to listen to the priests. 
And whatever the priests say goes. Hmm. So therefore, when you hear the priests, those priests are speaking my words. Hmm. That's not what God says. I am the one that changed now. Therefore, ye sons of who? Jacob. So this is the word is going to Jacob, to the house of Israel. There's nothing in this text here that refers to Gentiles. That's the confusion. We've been drinking the, the, the water, as Brother Tim said earlier, that is very questionable. Gentile setup, the institution. Gentiles are not supposed to teach the house of Israel. Israel is supposed to teach Israel. God set the priest to teach the house of Israel. Verse 7, even from the days of your fathers, you are gone astray from my what? What are the ordinances? The appointed times, the feasts, the Shabbats, the holy days. From the time of the fathers, from the time that Moses gave the, the mitzvot, the commandments, what happened? They started to act a fool, and decided they wanted to do their own thing. And then when they had a kingdom, first of all, God was their king, right? He was our king. And then we looked around and said, um, you know, the Canaanites have their king. Egypt have their king. What's the problem? We want, we want one too. And then what happened? We got a, a handsome, tall knucklehead that created a whole problem. And then we had David which was beloved. And that's what the word David means, beloved, right? Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> then we had a king, and then the Lord says, you know, all the king is going to do is it'll tax you, it'll put burdens on you. And um, Samuel said, God, they have rejected uh, me. Man, Samuel, this is not about you. They have rejected me as king. It's not about you, prophet. You're just my messenger. So you know, Saul, uh, Saul Samuel was kind of concerned about what was going on. So at that point in time, we saw they started to do their own thing. Israel was divided into two. Uh, and then when Jeroboam had the opportunity to take care of the house of Israel, he went up and he decided, well, you know, we don't want to go to Jerusalem to worship on the appointed times because the scripture says this is how it's supposed to be done. And as long as there's a temple in Jerusalem, this is where you have to go. He decided, no, uh, we're going to do our own system. As a matter of fact, we're going to move it a month down the, 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 uh, the line, the schedule. And we're going to set up two calves and say, these are the calves, these are the, the, the gods that brought you out of Egypt. Messed up the whole plan. God says, I was going to give you ten kingdoms, ten uh, tribes, right? Ten tribes, and all you have to do is just feed them. Okay? And that's all he had to do. God was with him. The prophet showed up and says, here you go. But instead of following God's ways, he departed. And have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you. What did he say? You return to me, and I will return to you. But he mentions in the text, you have gone away from my ordinances. So what do we need to do? Return. We got to return back to his ordinance. And then he's going to return. So we can sing hallelujah all day long. And he's going to be like, he's going to block the ears. I don't want to hear. And I'm going to show you something, a text. Say the Lord of hosts. So once again, he's, 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 uh, he has a shield on. He has a sword in his hand. He's going to execute judgment. But you said, 
wherein shall we return? So now we turn around and we're going to be forward to him. Be bold. 2 Kings 17 says, In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried away, carried Israel away into Assyria. For so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, which had brought them up out of the land of Egypt, from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods. Verses 8, and walked in the statues of who? They walked in the statues of the heathen, not in God's ways, whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel. So they saw what God did. Our forefathers saw what the Lord did, had done to the heathen. And the results of that, instead of holding on to the Lord, they walked in the statutes, the, 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 the laws of the heathen. And the kings of Israel, which they had made, they feared the Lord. So this is very interesting, this text, 33. They feared the Lord. The Israel feared the Lord. What did they do? And served their own gods. So they feared the Lord, but they served their own gods. After the battle of the nations whom they carried away from thence, so they have this mixed worship, having God in their mind, but doing things that was not God's way. It's like taking another, a woman taking another man. While she's sinning against her husband, she's seen her husband. She's with another man, but she's, has, she has the desires of other men, but she has the picture of her husband in her mind while she's doing her her uh, sinful things. It's sick. <clears throat> Unto this day, do after the former matters, they fear not the Lord. So even unto this time. Neither do they after the statutes, or after their ordinances, or after the law and commandments which the Lord commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel. So who named Israel? God. So if God gave the name to Israel, why do we come with these names like Baptists and Methodists and Adventists and Church of God, Seventh Day, or Church of God, Baptist, or Christ, or Catholic, Presbyterian? Who gave those names? The heathen was the ones who made those names. God didn't give his people, his chosen people, the names of the heathens. You know? And throughout history, that's what we've been thinking. But we're going to change from that. With whom the Lord had made a covenant. So who did he make a covenant with? Israel. Israel. There's no mention of the Gentiles here. And charged them saying, you shall not fear other gods. Nor bow yourselves to them. Nor serve them. Nor do what? Sacrifice to them. Leviticus 23 tells us that the Shabbats, the ordinances thereof, are in a certain season. Numbers tells us that those seasons that are kept, there are sacrifices. There are things that are joined to them. There are formats that have that are to be followed. Now we know that whenever we see the word sacrifice, it's referring to a certain time. You can't just sacrifice any old time. You sacrifice at appointed times. In other words, God has his ordinances that needs to be kept in the right time. The appointed, time. the appointed time. And so, 
He wants us to return back to everything according to his will. I wanted to share um, a piece of information that helps us to understand what has happened since we have gone astray from the Lord and we have been mingled into the Gentiles because we've done classes before that Ephraim has been mingled, has been mixed among the Gentiles. Therefore, they have become like the Gentiles. When you become a citizen of another country, you adopt their ways, their constitutions, their understandings, their, uh, their language, their culture. You become that part of that country. But your heritage is not with that country. We have a different heritage. So I wanted to share this information because it will help us to understand that we have gone off, uh, away from the Hebraic teachings and we need to return back. We have also adopted many concepts that is not biblical and have transferred, those concepts have transferred the original understanding of how things should be done. So now when you read the scriptures, it, it just we, we look at things differently. And of course, the scriptures, the Bible, from Genesis to Revelations, is a Hebrew book. Without a shadow of a doubt, it's a Hebrew book. It begins and ends with Israel. Okay? So when we go back to the original in the right context, then we are going to unlock what the Father, what the Lord have installed for us. How many of y'all know about Aristotle? Mm -hmm. Aristotle, for those of us who have been through the education system here in America and other places too, this name will come up. What is, what is important to know about this guy? And then we just highlighted a few things, okay? Of course he was Greek, a philosopher. That should tell us something from the beginning. Philosophy is a man's view, interpretation of how he observes certain things. And then once he has mastered his interpretation, he sets up his schools and he passes his interpretation, his, his observances onto us, and now we tend to follow his ways. He was a teacher. He was a student of Plato and a teacher of Alexander the Great. How many of you all know about Alexander the Great? Scriptures even tell us in the book of Daniel, right? Okay, the Grecian king. He was a very unique general also, very unique in warfare because he conquered the known world at that time. And I think he was about in his 30s or something like that, 30 years old when he did all that. That was a feat that most uh, people in warfare tends to study. How is this guy able? He didn't have the modern equipment that we have today, but he moved so swiftly. He was able to do a lot of conquering. Well, he had some issues. Because when he conquered nations, they would revert back to their old culture and customs. So Aristotle gave him some teachings. Now let's look at Aristotle for a second. So he was a teacher of Alexander the Great. Aristotle is one of the most important founding figures in Western philosophy. Western, American, British, French, German, whatever. Aristotle's writings were the first to create a comprehensive system of Western philosophy, encompassing morality, aesthetics, logic, science, politics, metaphysics. In metaphysics, Aristotelianism 
had a profound influence on philosophical and theological thinking in the Islamic and Jewish traditions in the Middle Ages, and what? It continues to influence Christian theology, especially where? When it comes to schools. Of the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is actually the mother of all Christian religions. So, we see his influence on Islamic Jewish traditions during the Middle Ages. So this man teaching has, um, has influence and it continues today in the church. Alexander the Great was not only a great military leader, but was savvy and wise as well. His strategy was for Greece to dominate the world by conforming the world to what? Now, what does that tell us? If this guy is conquering the world, and he wants the world to conform to Greek uh, theology, philosophy, culture, and so forth, that means to say that in our present time, we're still doing what? Thinking like the Greek. How can we understand Hebrew scriptures with a Greek mindset? It doesn't work. Okay? He knew that this could only be accomplished by language. He knew almost supernaturally that if you change a people's language, you change their whole view of life. Alexander, because of his brilliant tactics, was revered as a god, and he considered himself the son of Zeus. So when we think about the, the Christian Jesus, the way it has been set up, he looks like a Greek. His teachings are like a Greek. And therefore, it separates us from the Hebrew roots that God had set up for his people Israel. Most interesting twist occurred at Alexander's death. Instead of appointing his son to take over, he, rem he remained basically silent in the matter. His four top generals took over the reign of the known world instead of his son. These four men, Antiochus, Demetrius, Seleucus and Ptolemy. I'm not good at pronouncing all these uh, Greek things, okay? So excuse me. <clears throat> all four of these kings carried on a Greek religion and thought process. Eventually, all four kingdoms would fall to the who? Right. So where Greek left off, Rome picked up the ball. Mm -hmm. Rome did not change anything. They may have maybe changed the names itself, but the culture, they brought it down with them. Okay, so even though we are in this American system right now, the roots of it is all Greek by way of Rome. And we can tell by the money that our money is still based on the Roman system. Our government is based on the Roman system. You know, you have the Congress, the Senate. You have Latin on the money. Latin on your medical site. When you study uh, medicine, there's Latin in there, right? They name the animals uh, when you study uh, about nature. Pantera, you know, family of species. They give it these Latin words. Okay, so it says um, these four kings, these four, uh, these four kings carry on the Greek religion and thought. 
Eventually, all four kingdoms would fall to the Romans. All four kings forced the Kelon Greek language on their conquered territories. And I kind of abbreviate some stuff here. Language shapes, molds, and defines a culture. Very important to understand. The language shapes, molds, and defines a culture. If one can change the meaning and purpose of words and traditions, everything is changed. Greek had become the international language of the Eastern Mediterranean coastlands. I put this picture up here just as something very interesting because I was looking up uh, pictures of Aristotle. There were many, but this one is actually one that was done by the Muslims at that time. Islamics. They did this drawing of him. And the question is, which one is Aristotle? He's having a conversation. Which one is he? One is center. Which one? This one or that one? Okay. Now, if you look, Aristotle was uh, Greek, right? Look at the look at this sign in this guy's hand. See the sign what he's doing with his hand? He's thinking, but look at his hand. Uh, okay. You see that sign? Yeah. That's a sign from paganism. Roman paganism. That's yeah. a so-called a peace sign. But it's actually, you know, so this guy looks Asian. Yeah. He can't be Aristotle. You can rule him out. This guy has to be Aristotle right here. So Aristotle, according to Islamics, he had to be a person of color. Rome and, and you know Rome and, and Greek, they conquered people, they brought people in, philosophers and so forth. But that was interesting. Okay, very interesting. Pointed the other guy, I mean the Asian guy. The Asian guy, look at his eyes. And he's listening. This guy is actually teaching some stuff, and you can see his hand. And this compass, it is book. This is a book actually, but it's shaped like a compass. Mm -hmm. But this is a book. This is a book rest. It's on here. So anyway, this is Islamic writings. Now we're moving on from from Greek to Rome, briefly. As I said, it's an introduction. Let me pick up a little bit of speed here. Uh, Constantine the Great. When you read some of the history, we find some things about him. We've talked about this before that he was instrumental in changing a lot of the Hebraic things and banishing, banning those things and implementing the Catholic system that we have today. Um, so we're going to look at a little insight here. Why in the past did many Jewish believers in practice leave their people? Because in the fourth century, Roman Emperor Constantine converted to Christianity and the Gentile dominated church so if the church was dominated by Gentiles, who was the original people? Israelites. So when you have something that's dominating it, that means that the others are being servants. Somebody's taking over, right? Uh, church gained political power. It began to require Jews who accepted Yeshua as the Messiah to give up all ties with Judaism, Jewish practices, Jewish friends, and anything that was Jewish. Um, uh, during the most of the last 1,500 years, a Jewish believer in Yeshua had to take on Gentile religious and cultural ways first, because the Jewish community excluded him, and second, because of Christian social pressure and distaste for Jewish ways. So we can see 
that during those times, if you don't, if you, if you have a tree um, that has some issues, the sign says it's an orange tree, but when you look at the fruit, it, it doesn't quite look like it's an orange. You know, you go and you check the root, you check the source, you check the plant, you do a, a, a thorough examination to see if something was tampered with this tree in the, in the process, if it was changed or manipulated or whatever it is. And when you investigate, then you realize, well, this is not even a real orange tree. You know, this is something else. And so you just have to go back to the root. That's what we're doing, going back to figure out, his, historically speaking, what has happened along those lines. So this quote shows the condition of times during Constantine's reign over the Jewish nation. Apparently many changes for the Jewish followers, or Israelites, had occurred under Constantine's rule, and it is uh, to this point that we show the practices of Sunday worship uh, replaced the Shabbat, and that the Jewish custom of Havdalah is altogether ignored and replaced by the days of sun worship. The Havdalah is an ancient Jewish tradition or custom which has been held for over 2,000 years, period, current. This also means that when looking back in the biblical history, the tradition was current and common practice by early Jewish people and believers as we see within Acts chapter 20, verse 7. So the customs, the traditions, has been lost because of the influences of the Roman system. Paganism has crept in. Paganism has done, has been, has replaced the customs of ancient Israel. That's the reason why we are doing the best we can to return back and away from this nonsense that we see here. Jeremiah 16, 19 says, O Lord, my strength and my fortress, and my refuge in the day of affliction, the Gentiles shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth and shall say, Surely our fathers have what? Inherited lies, vanities, and things wherein there is no profit. What does that mean? Now, we know this is talking about the end times. At some point, people are going to recognize. We are recognizing this right now. But the Gentiles, they themselves have been lied to because they have inherited lies and they are setting up all these churches all around, these places of worship, and uh, it's not according to the scripture. And they're going to realize and says, something is wrong here. Something is wrong here. And you can see this picture. What does this tell us when we look at it? What's the center of this worship here? The sun. Do you see that? The sun is the center, and then you see it's divided into four. Four corners of the earth, the cross divided, and then you have all these symbols that are pagan. All of these pagan symbols here. Click on this real quick. I wanted to show this real quick. You have all these pagan emblems here. Take a little time to come up. While that comes up, let me get a little sip of water. Okay, here it is. All of these things are pagan. 
these crosses. Pagans. Crosses is not something that God has ordained. As I said, I'm not going to teach you on paganism, but I'm just showing you little tidbits of um, the things that we have adopted in our system. All these different crowns and crosses and so forth. Okay, see symbols. Let's go over here. The days, months, and the seasons. We're going to look at a film when we come back from lunch. And that's going to help us to understand some things. But when you see it, you will, you will see. When you see it, it's going to open your eyes to a better understanding. Origins of our day names. God says in the scripture, make no mention of what? Other gods. Every time you say uh, Saturday, every time you say Monday, Wednesday, and all these different days, let's take a look. We are calling on the names of other gods. Sunday, they have the sun. Sun worship was always practiced throughout the um, pagan world. And the Catholics just sucked that in, repackaged it. Monday, Dias Lune, Luna or Selene, goddess of the moon. So when we mention those things, we are calling upon these same pagan gods. Tuesday, they are Mars, which is the god of war. Okay? Wednesday, Mercury or Hermes, messenger of the gods. Thursday, Deus Jovis, Jove or Zeus, god of thunder. Okay? That's the symbol of his hammer, it's like a cross, doesn't it? Friday, Venus, that's Venus Day, goddess of love. Friday is where we get the term, or uh, Venus is where we get the term venereal disease. Why venereal disease? Because out of this practice, the goddess of love, what she requires is not the way God set things up. Because God says that uh, if you're going to lay down in bed, you have to be married. And if you lay down in bed, you need to make it official that you're married. That woman that you're with is your wife. Anything outside of that, the pagans practice. And uh, we can see here, when you dig deeper into this here, you see uh, Frigg is a modern course euph euphemism for sex. So when they use those terms, it's just another word for talking about Fornication, basically, okay? Saturn's day. That's where we get the term um, Saturday. Okay? So that's just a little insight on that. Let me, let's go back to the, um, let's continue. I put this picture here, and just give me a few minutes and we'll close, okay? Put this, pic this picture here to show this is a coin from the Vatican. Now, what church has their own money system? Now, tell me, did the Lord ever say that, uh, Peter, you're going to set up a church and uh, you're going to have your own bank 
You're going to have your own post office. As a matter of fact, you're going to have a chair on the body of the world government. And uh, you're going to be instrumental in the affairs of mankind, in the policies of government. Bible never says that. You see? Yes, Anna. I was going to say something before about how the cross looks like a sword. Mm -hmm. When you really think about it, it looks like a sword. Yeah, it does. And also, you forgot to mention that the Catholic Church also has, or Vatican also has its own army. Yes, the Vatican has its own army uh, and so forth. Now, the, it's a small army, it's called a Swiss Guard, okay, guards, but they utilize other nations to do their will. That's a class by itself. We, we don't want to get into that right now. But if you look at this picture here, you see the Pope, one of the Popes, right? Yes. And on the back of it, it has uh, Citada del Vaticano. It's a 1963 coin. And there's this woman holding a cup in her hand, and there's a sun coming out of it. And there's a cross that she has in her hand. Let's look at the meaning of Vatican. Okay, this is the definition here. A vat, a large tub or cask for storing or holding liquids. Bible says in the Revelations that she has a cup in her hand full of what? Abomination. So it's holding something in it. The word Vatic means prophetic. Oracle, right? <coughs> prophetic. Vatican is the official papal residence, the papal government, Vatican City. The independent papal state within Rome. So you have a government within a government. Vaticanus. Vaticanus. Annus. You know what Annus means? Anus, Annus. Old woman. Now it's Anus, it doesn't sound too good, right? But that's Latin. But it actually means an old woman. So the definition when you combine prophetical, holding liquids, the independent city or state that happened to be an old woman, a woman from way back, from Constantine days. Let's go over here. Vatis. It means a seer or prophet. Prophetess, Vaticanus, Vaticanus Hill in Rome, on the right bank of the Tiber, Prophet, prophetess, and so forth. So in other words, when you put all those definitions together, it fulfills the prophecy of Revelations. Let us know that this woman prophetically fulfilled, but she's also false prophet. What does she do? She feeds the world her lies that many of us are still drinking today. Her doctrine, her doctrine has been destroying us. Look at this other picture here. The woman which thou sawest is the great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Up above your head here, right here, a pope and a woman with a cup in her hand, a cross, this is the papacy. It's interesting to see that the one below here is ancient Rome. So where do you think that the Pope, the papal system got their system from? Ancient Rome. Because the same way ancient Rome had their subscription, Yeshua says, 
Whose subscription is, is this on this coin? Caesar. Caesar. Mm -hmm. This is a picture of a Caesar right here. Mm -hmm. And in the back of it, this Roman standard with a woman holding the Roman standard, the seal of the authority of Rome. The Vatican copied all of this and brought it into their system, you see? So what these Christian churches are doing today is just an offshoot of the Roman pagan system. Let's take a look at some songs here. Even in the songs that are sung, and I put this up because I wanted to briefly show us that even in the songs that we sing, the influence of Rome is there, contradicts scripture. Let's give an example. Everyone knows the song, the old account, right? The old account was said long ago, hallelujah, right? There was a time on earth, already tells us right at the beginning, that you're no longer on earth. When in the book of heaven, an old account was standing for sins yet unforgiven. That's not scriptural. My name was at the top and many things below. I went unto the keeper and said long ago. Long ago, down on my knees, long ago, I said it all. Yes, the old account was said long ago, hallelujah. And the record's clear today, for he, for he washed away my, he washed my sins away when the old account was said long ago. The old account was large and growing every day, for I was always sinning and never tried to pay. But when I looked uh, ahead, I saw such pain and woe, I said that I would settle, I settled long ago. When in that happy home, my Savior's home above, what does it say? I'll sing redemption story. The Bible doesn't teach that. It's saying when in that happy home, my Savior's home above, I'll sing redemption story. In other words, it's teaching us that when we are in heaven, we are going to be singing redemption story. Scripture doesn't say that. Okay? Where did they get that stuff from? The same system. And praise him for his love. I'll not forget that book. With pages white as snow. Pages that are white as snow are blank pages, brothers and sisters. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing on it. Pages have to have something on it. If it's blank, of course it's to be white as snow. See, Gentiles thinking everything has to be white, pure, right? Because I came and said and said long ago, all sinner trust the Lord, be cleansed from all your sin. For thus he hath provided for you to enter in. And then if you should live a hundred years, what? Below. Below. Up there you will not regret, regret it. You settled long ago. So where are you going to be? What does that tell us? When you sing in a song, what does that tell you? And when you repeat that song all the time, you're repeating things that the Gentiles say, our fathers have inherited life. Let's look at another song, Royal Telephone. It says, and I'm only picking a few of them so we can look at it, right? Because we sing a song, but we never really stop to consider what we're singing. Central and are busy, always on the line. You may hear from heaven almost any time. This is a royal service, free from one, free for one and all. When you get in trouble, give this royal line a call. Somebody pick up for me Psalm 66, verse 18. Let's read that. So when you get yourself in trouble, you give this royal line a call. The Bible doesn't teach that.
When you get in trouble, give a slight fall. Psalm 66, verse 18. What does it say? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If you do what? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If I regard iniquity in the heart, the Lord will not do what? Hear me. So if you got iniquity in your heart, you got to pick up the phone and give the Lord a call. You think he's going to hear? The song is telling us when we get in trouble because of what? Sin. Just give him a call. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says if you regard it, he will not hear. Let's continue to another one. If your mind is grounded, let me go higher. Fail to get an answer, Satan did what? He crossed your wire by some strong delusion. So they're singing about that, but they don't realize that that's exactly what they're in. Delusion. Or some basic desire. Base desire. Take away obstructions, God is on the throne, and you'll get an answer through his royal telephone. If your line is grounded, and connections true, has been lost with Jesus, tell you what to do. Prayer and faith and promise mend the broken line. Is that what the scripture says? You have a problem with the Lord because of your wicked ways. That's not how the scripture says. You don't just pray and by faith believe. There's something that needs to be done. What does Proverbs 28, 9 say? Proverbs 28, verses 9. It says, um, he that buy, he that buy usually and unjust gain increase of his substance, he shall gather it for him that will keep it. That's Proverbs. Twenty eight. Twenty eight verse nine. Is that the right one you have? Oh, sorry, I'm right. Okay, read. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. Read it one more time. He that turneth away his ear. Stop. He that turneth away his ear from doing what? Hearing the law. The law, the mitzvot, the commandments of God. Right? Yeah. And what? Even his prayer shall be an abundance. So even that person's prayer that don't listen to God's commandment, God is considering that to be an abomination to him. So when they sing this song, your connection is lost with Jesus. This is what you do. You pray and promise men the broken wire, but the scripture doesn't teach that. If you have a problem, it's because it's with the law. You have to return back to keeping God's law, otherwise you are in trouble. He will not regard anything if we don't keep his commandments. He said it will be an abomination. You're praying and praying and you're fasting until your knees turn black, until you get weak and you're not keeping God's commandments. You can forget it. We have to abide the commandments, the instructions. He will not listen to a disobedient child. He already laid the rules down. He already gave us the promises. I will hear a righteous prayer. The wicked he doesn't regard. I hit the doors of iniquity. He said so. But the song is telling us something completely different. Adam, the last point, and then no more, okay? Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to make it real quick. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. I have a couple slides left. Faith without works is what? Dead. dead. So, there's death in the pot. There's death in the pot because there is no work involved. 
Christ paid it all. He was nailed to the cross for me. What a wonderful, wonderful Savior, wow, who would die on the cross for me. Freely shedding his precious blood that the sinner might be made free. He accomplished his father's plan. He was wounded for our transgressions in redeeming this world from sin. Let's take a look and see what the Bible actually says. Let's go to the book of Luke. That sinner might be made free. Luke chapter 1. I know we talked about this before, but I want to read it again. Luke chapter 1. And we'll pick it up at verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed who? His people. Who is his people? The Lord God of Israel. He's going to redeem his people. Verse 69. He hath raised up a horn of salvation for who? Us. us. Who is the us? Israel. In the house of his servant David. Verse 70, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. The prophets have been speaking about the Messiah coming into the world to save his people from their sins. How do I know that? Let's go down to verses uh, 77. To give knowledge of salvation unto his people. His people is not the whole world. By the remission of their sins. Their sins is not the sins of the whole world. So when it says that the sinner might be made free, in context with the scripture, that sinner is talking about is in reference to the house of Israel. Though they, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring, verse 78, on high have visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet, into the way of peace. Let's go to John 11, chapter 11. That's just one example, and I don't want to give too many scriptures on this because I'm giving an introduction. But John chapter 11, and I'll just pick it up from uh, verses 50. Because Caiaphas was prophesying, and he made a statement, and he says about Yeshua, his death. Why he was nailed on the cross? Or the tree, which is the correct word, is written right here in John chapter 11. It says here, so Carver says, you don't know nothing at all. You don't know what's really going on here. Verse 50, now consider that it's expedient for us that one man should die for who? The whole world. Is, it what, is that what it says? It didn't say that. It says for the people. And that the whole nation perish not. It's not talking about the whole world. And this he spake, and this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Yeshua should die for that nation, and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. So it tells us plainly here that the reason why the Messiah came was to die for the two houses of Israel. They were scattered abroad. The ones here in Jerusalem, Judah, but also the dispersed of the house of Israel, the lost sheep that were among the nations. That's the reason why he died. For their sakes. 
And then, then the psalmist says to accomplish the Father's plan. Let's go to Matthew chapter 15, verse 24. Matthew 15, 24. Because you see, the reason why um, some of our brothers, Judah and them, they don't want to listen to anything in the Brick Hadashah, the New Testament, is because Christianity has presented Yeshua, they have presented a Greek Messiah, which is called Jesus. And we are, we are serving the Hebrew Messiah according to the scriptures, not according to a, 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 a Catholic system that has been set up, full of lies and blasphemies against the Most High. Matthew chapter tw uh, 15, verses 24 reads, And he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep. Who sent him? The Father, the Father sent him. What did the Father send him to do? <coughs> the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Amen. So the question is, who are the lost sheep of the house of Israel? When did the Baptists become the lost sheep of the house of Israel? When did all these alphabet religions become the lost sheep of the house of Israel? You know, the scriptures have been skewed to a Greek mindset. That's why we have been lost. And it says, he was wanted for our transgressions. Let's take a look at Isaiah. 53 verses 5. We're going to start backward, and then we're going to show you why I start there, and then I'll, we'll pick it up And um, 52, okay? Isaiah 52, 53, verses 5. Isaiah 53, verses 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. So the question is, who's the hour he's referring to? He was wounded, bruised for our iniquities. So the question is, who's the hour? The chastisement of our peace was upon him. So who was broken? Who was uh, beat down? And with his stripes, we are healed. And it says, verse 6, all, all we like sheep have gone astray. Didn't we just read in Matthew, he came to the Lord of the house of Israel? All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. This is the, preach, the teaching that we're doing today. The Shuvah returned. And the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of what? Us all. Us all. And he goes on and talks about his suffering. That he suffered. He was oppressed. He was beaten down and so forth. Now let's go over to uh, chapter 52. Verses, um, pick up a verses 1. Awake, awake. Put on your strength, O who? When does Zion become Greek? <clears throat> or Roman? Put on the beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth they shall no more come into thee, the uncircumcised and the unclean. That's prophetical. Future. Shake thyself from the dust. Arise and sit, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive of Zion, Zion. So somebody was in captivity, somebody was dispersed among the nations, someone. And when you continue to read that, let's go over to the latter part of 52, to verse uh, 13, which says, 
Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many were stunned at thee, his visage or visage was so marred more than any man and is full more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings, the kings shall shut their mouth at him for that which had not been told them shall they see and that which have not heard shall they consider. And then it continues into who shall believe the report. So it tells us that the whole story, you see, you, the, the, you can just pull this little piece right here. You got to read from before. It tells us who the hour is. So when he says he was nailed on the cross for me, who is he talking, who is really nailed for who? Yeshua was nailed on a tree for the sake of the house of Israel. That's the truth. Let's go down to here now. In redeeming this world from sin, is that what the Bible says? 16 and 17. Of what? Okay, Luke chapter 1. 16 Okay, we'll read 16 and 17 because Brother Sam suggested, but we'll also take a look at 68, okay? 16 says, And many of the children of Israel shall we do what? Turn. Turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers. And that's talking about John, okay? Um, fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for their Lord. Let's go over to 68. 68 says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. Who is that his? Israel. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, he hath re redeemed his people. So, we looked and we saw in verse 77, verses, uh, chapter 1, verse 77 says, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. So the sins and the, redeem, the redemption and the sins <coughs> process has nothing to do with everybody else. Now here's the catch. If the others want to be part of it, you get to join. Because America ain't helping nobody out there unless they are American citizens or if there's something at stake. That's why the presence is all say, the vital interest of the American government. They have to be an interest. He gave, God gave his commandments to people that he have a vital interest in. They're called Israel, after him. Named, he named them. He gave his bride his name. I'm gonna wrap it up, so. Old rugged cross, on a hill far away, stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering, and shame, the emblem of suffering and shame. What did the song say? That you love the Lord? The I love that old rugged cross. There's something wrong with that. Right. We're not supposed to love a cursed thing. Curse is the one that hangs on a tree. You see, when people sing the song, they are bringing in that Catholic theology to cherish a cross. Crosses are pagan emblems. Okay? So you're singing a song that has pagan roots. 
I love that old cross where the dearest and best in world of lost sinners was slain. So I cherish the old what? I cherish the old rugged cross. Till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross. Doesn't Catholics have those things around their necks and they kiss it? Mary, bless me, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, the rosary and they have the cross in their hands. Right? That's completely contrary to the word of God. And it says they will exchange that for a crown. That's what they gave, gave us in the religion, right? They gave us false things, and that's what we can exchange for a crown? No, God says, if you love me, keep my commandments. What are the commandments? Right? If you want to inherit into good master, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Um, let's see. Get a cross, cherish it. <laughs> and when you do that, I'm going to give you a crown. Yeah. Follow after the... See, I'm going to send some people after. They call the papacy and religions and so forth. You follow that system, and that's how you're going to get eternal life. He didn't say that. Very simply, cut across everything. He says, so the guy asked him, he says, keep the commandments, right? So you ask him, well, which one? Because there are many different commandments. Well, um, when you are on menstruation, you need to stay in your hut. Did he tell him that? No. Um, as a priest, this is what you need to do. Did he tell him that? No. Because certain commandments only apply to certain people or certain situations. But the Catholic system took all of that and says, that's done away with. No. You need to understand, if, you don't, if you're not instructed, the scripture says that you need to go to a priest, not those Catholic um, homosexuals, okay? Not those people. We're talking about priests that have wives, marry and have children and so forth. You, you, you have to go to those that keep in God's commandments. Be fruitful and multiply was one of his commandments. How many priests are multiplying? They do it behind the scenes and then they kill the little children and so forth. That's the whole history. That's another uh, teaching in itself. But you see here, all that over the cross, so despised by the world. The world despising that? But, I mean, everywhere you find people tattooing crosses on their bodies. Old pagan system has a wondrous attraction for me. So the cross has been sold as a product of Christ, or Messiah. And that's an abomination in his eyes. The Lord said, in Deuteronomy, one of the curses is that we will serve gods of wood and stone. Wood and stone. Now, iron is a stone. It's an ore. You can melt it, right, and shape it, but it comes from the earth. And trees, poor trees are crying out. When, when, O oh Lord, God of Israel? Go back. Okay. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. Bear the cross. And it continues to talk about the cross in such language. If you notice carefully, nothing about keeping God's commandments. It's all florally, right? Nice, sweet, enticing words. And, and it gives us the impression that, of this, you know, feel good. That's why when you go out places of worship, it's all about feeling. 
Nothing to do with obedience. Okay? Then he'll call me someday to, uh, to my home where? Far away. Now, where's far away? In a Christian mindset, is in heaven. We have been bamboozled and lied to over the centuries because this is the system that is contrary to God's way. So we're going to stop there. We're going to stop there, and we are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to watch the film that will give us some understanding and insight. The songs that you ought to sing has to be according to the word. And when you take a song and you're going to sing that song, look at what it's saying. Does it uphold what God says? Because God says he doesn't change. Or does it contradict the word of God? If it contradicts the word of God, put it aside. So that's what we're doing. We're going back and we're looking at these songs. And we are examining what the scripture says. And we're putting aside those things. Now, that's just one example. I can give you guys a whole bunch of songs to look at. And you will realize that man, oh man. You know, of course, I feel good, good, good. Every time I think about it, I feel good. Every time, every time you think about Jesus, you feel good. How do you feel? I feel all right. Right? And they sing this song, but nobody, there's no condemnation. Because nobody wants to correct anybody. <laughs> so everybody's been feeling good. You're not correcting me? I'm good. You're not, I'm not correcting you? You're good. So I feel good, you feel good. Nobody's pointing fingers. You can sleep around, you can not do this, and you can do that. So we all, you know, I feel good, and we all feel good. But there's no correction. The Bible says that the rod is used for those who are his children. So if we consider ourselves to be his children, then we need to get the rod of correction. Every shepherd has to have a rod. Okay? You don't just let the sheep go and do as they please. The, the sheep needs to be instructed in a way. That's why the scripture says that the priest, his job, and God says, and he put the title, Lord of hosts, Yahweh Shavuot. So he's being very serious with us. So I have a responsibility, and my responsibility is very simple. Teach people the truth. Teach as much truth. And those who want to keep it, no problem. Those who don't want to keep it, then, you know, you will take that up with the Lord. But I am free from all, from any blame whatsoever. See, I cannot honestly say and mislead you all into thinking that you all are doing the right thing when the scripture says something different. And this is not about favoritism. This is just about the truth. See, that's all it is. And I'm not interested in, in, in some pocketbook because a lot of times that's what keeps ministers from teaching the truth. They get a salary. They are appointed by committees and boards and so forth. And, and they, some people love to be upheld and they love the recognition of men. So pastor, good job. Good job, Deacon. You know, they love that. But they're not teaching the people the truth. And so the people are infirm, they're weakly, they're sick. And then they're coming before the Lord, and the Lord says, listen, I don't recognize any of y'all because you do not keep my commandments. So I hope these words have um, laid something to heart, and we're going to stop here. I think there's one question, and we'll return back again and do some more, um, look at some stuff, okay? All right, shalom.